0: Hey everybody, Clint Fosfi here and welcome to the fourth edition of the BroCode.Life podcast series. This is another Y series and today we've got uh, big wave legendary surfer Mark Fisser. So for those who don't know Mark, he's one of those nutters that surfs 50 to 60 to 70 foot waves and has even done so at night. Yes, in the dark, uh, probably one of the heaviest waves in the world or probably the heaviest waves in the world. Uh, Mark through his... Uh, his Night Rider project wrote it at night, which is insane. And there'll be links on the on the, on the the page in terms of all the videos. Um, really, really fascinating uh, session with Mark. And, and, you know, so many things stuck out to me. And they're just gems hidden within this podcast. So just, you know, this is one of the ones that you're going to have to listen to once or twice or maybe three times to pick them all up. Things that really stuck out to me was Mark found a mentor at a young age. Uh, someone who was way ahead of his time in terms of just self belief and, and the power of the mind and and that kind of how that forged uh, Mark's life and career and his thought process. Um, so we talk about how Mark used to compete in the early days, his young footy days before he even started surfing. How he got into big waves and just that you know the concept behind uh, Nit Rider, which was a four year project, Operation Deep Blue, something he's working on as well. Um, writing a book, uh, as well as a new um, a new a new sort of project and training course that that Mark's coming up with, which seems fascinating and I can't wait for it to be out there. So I can get into the content and a whole heap of other good stuff. For those who have liked, shared, subscribed to the podcast, thank you so much. Keep spreading the word. Um, it really feels from my side. Momentum's picking up around this, so please get in touch with as many people as you can. So uh, strap in, enjoy, and I hope you love it. Bye. Hey everybody! Welcome to the fourth edition of the BroCode.Life Life podcast. And today I'm joined by Mark Fisser. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, mate.
1: It's called
0: the Brocode. the Dot Life. Yes, I, I need to uh, ask you on your on your last name. So obviously South African, mm-hmm. my last name gets mispronounced often. Yeah. So is, is it Visser or Fisser? Because we it's, would say Fisser. Yeah. obviously.
1: So if you're in South Africa, they'd say Fisser. Yeah. Um, it's a visa with a V, but um, it actually is, it originates from uh, Holland, I think. Okay. And it's, so it's Dutch, but a lot of um, Dutch people went to South Africa. So back in the day when I did the QS, when I was in South Africa, they would always say, oh, local boy. <laughs> and, and I'd just kind of not really say anything, so <laughs> try and take as much of the advantage as I could, but uh, it's pretty obvious when there was a big AUS cyber name name. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, it actually means uh, fish. Yes. Viz means fish and visa means uh fishermen. Uh, pretty, True story. Pretty classic that, yeah. that was. That ends up being yeah.
0: So we um yeah. So obviously South was founded by the Dutch. 1652. Little history lesson. Yeah. Right. Uh, hence us all having because I've you know obviously a V as well last name and, and Fisser is fisherman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So thanks for welcoming to your home. for those watching online. Beautiful backdrop here in Malula, But on the sunny coast. And today's podcast is another Y series. And the Y series podcasts are about people who followed a different path in life and obviously had huge success but followed their passion and for markets the ocean. Mm. Um, and we just, just, you know, the idea of today is how how sort of Mark's forged his career and what he's done and some pretty pretty cool stuff um, along the way. So from the early days, I mean, w- when did you find the sea? When did you find the ocean? I know, you know I've listened to some of your past interviews. There's a, a fear of swimming or drowning, yeah. which, which, which confuses me. A bit. Yeah, so, so, so how did it all start?
1: Well, I, I was actually born on a farm, like okay. out in uh, country Victoria, um, in the, like a the spot where there's literally no ocean anywhere near there or a lake or a public swimming pool or anything and um, I nearly drowned when I was a young kid um, I fell into a sheep's trough and I was, wow. e- I was eating a peach and I dropped it <laughs> and I went in after it and uh, I was pretty yeah, about three years old and um, literally nearly lost my life. My older brother um, dragged me out by my hair before yep. I'd um, completely drowned or whatever and they just said, oh, you'd never go near the water like for so long you know, you're just terrified of it Cause it's hard to remember because I was so young Yeah. I just know that I for some reason was had this panicking feeling all the time even like into my later teens so it kind of makes sense that when I understood oh, right, this is actually what happened that childhood kind of experience really yep. really messed with me um more than I kind of thought and um I didn't really even learn to swim properly um like efficiently until I was about 10 so Crazy. yeah so I didn't didn't start surfing I think I got a surfboard for my 11th birthday and um and even then, I was just, like, riding the little whitewashes. I loved the beach, like, um, growing up, as I was, like, you know, sort of a younger sort of kid, it was yeah. fun. It was, like, the playing in the sand was fun, yeah. the beach was fun, but I always was always in that knee-deep kind of water, waist-deep, and then yeah. anything further out, it, So I didn't really know at the time, but it always used to make me feel really uncomfortable. So, but, um, yeah, it was pretty, it's, like, the complete opposite to what everyone thinks, you know, everyone thinks, "Oh, you? Probably, you know just born, born. Know, body surfing at whatever age and, and surfing by three or four like most kids yeah
0: have but no complete and, opposite and how far was the beach away in those days i mean just to get down there
1: oh well back then um so i didn't move to i moved up here to the coast with our family um when we were 10 when i was 10 years okay. old so that was when it all sort of started and um we were probably like a, a 10 minute drive okay. uh, 30 minute push bike ride
0: so whereabouts on the coast did you end up in?
1: Uh, just behind Mulumba. Okay, yeah, so yeah, so that's um, yeah, that was kind of the area. So around Mulumba and Alexander Headlands, they were the closest beach for me. Like the first wave I ever stood up on a surfboard at was at Alex. Okay, yeah, classic,
0: yeah, pretty funny. Just around the corner over there. Yeah, for those just, yeah, just literally there, there, which, there is, yeah. which is crazy. And the early days from a from a sport perspective, did you play any footy? Yeah, what, I mean, what what was your what is your focus before the ocean really got yeah. Hold of you?
1: Yeah, I think it was definitely a very. Um, sporty kid yeah and i was good at sport yeah i was really quite a fast runner um when i was i even i think at 12 i could do 100 meters in 13 seconds flat wow like 1301 i think Yes. Yeah. one of and then from there i started playing um afl yeah. and uh, i played rugby rugby union and rugby league at school but um i was pretty good at afl yeah and uh that was kind of the sport i thought i you know i'd i'd probably have a career in like um I was in the the, the coast um, what's it called like rep squad the rep squad yeah yeah then we went to the you know state championships and in that particular year I, I won best and Ferris for that whole thing and I was the captain of our side and yep. I kind of felt like oh you know maybe I've got a chance at um, being a footy player yep. but I guess uh, you know the way life turned out you know it's a different I guess someone else had other plans but um, I hurt my knee and my attributes were being fast yep. and um yeah, the way I hurt my knee, I, could, I just couldn't run as quick as I could. Yep. And at the time, I'd made a rep squad for surfing, and I was pretty shit in comparison. Like, say there was, they picked six guys, <laughs> I was, like, the sixth or the fifth. <laughs> yeah. So I was just scraping in at that level, whereas in footy, I was... Um, at the top about, of the game, I, yeah, yeah. much better. So, uh, And it was hard, because the more I trained at footy, the more I ran, the more it hurt my knee, but yep. the surfing didn't hurt my knee. And um, up here in Queensland, it was sort of just before the Brisbane Lions um, yeah. AFL team dominated and won those three grand finals. So prior to that, there was just no real um, interest up here. Like yeah. Queensland and New South Wales is heavily uh, rugby league focused. Rugby league, yeah. yeah and, uh, and a little bit of rugby union, but um, sort of that was kind of the main sport. So like I think our last grand final that we played in, we won 102 to like one or something. Yeah. It's just, it was just no, there was like six teams in the whole competition and it sort of didn't really feel like i guess a challenge whereas surfing was like okay you're, you're not you're not the best you're not the best yeah you, and um you try your, you try your ass off and you'll only just make a squad so it's probably made me more determined to want to be better at that yeah um so that was kind of the the path i head i headed down
0: so for those uh, american international people that know what afl is yeah. it's australian football league and it's so australia's broken into six provinces i think um, states. States. So I haven't done my citizenship test yet. Give me time. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> right so provinces. What's the province? Provinces is <laughs> what we have in, in Africa. Six <laughs> states and, and sort of Victoria where Melbourne is uh, is and Adelaide uh, where South Australia, that's a huge, huge sport there. And West Australia. West Australia yeah. as well. It's just like a cult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so do you, I mean, oh, I'm not one to look back, but do you think if... If you had that same path now, and there is a paveway going through to AFL, that could have been your path? You know what, looking back at it,
1: I think I was just too short, Like, yeah. um, so I'm 172 centimeters, which is pretty short, perfect for surfing, yeah. but the the little rovers, as, as they call it, rovers is, is a position where they're just following the ball, and they're normally the fast guys that just run and yeah. work hard, and, and they look, on, when you watch them on screen, compared to the other players, they look tiny. But they're all, you know, around that 178. Um, you know, at the smallest. Yeah. And you know, most of them are all like, you know, 180, whatever. So, so I don't on get, that six foot
0: mark, pretty much. Just under it. Just yeah. Under so it, so if I'm
1: at five um, nine or five ten, yeah. You know, it's, there's a big difference in that. So um, yeah, I just I think maybe that was the case. But it's it's funny now, like, um, so doing what I do as a, as a sport has led me to actually work with or work for a lot of AFL teams oh, helping them with things. So I kind of um,
0: get to experience a bit of that again as yeah. well, so that's pretty cool. And, I mean, just for the, the rover position, from my, my understanding, you're running, like, half marathon a game. It's, it's a huge load, right?
1: Yeah, on average, uh, the, each player would run about 14 kilometres, so that's seven miles or yeah. whatever that is per game. It's At a, high speed. Oh, well, yeah, they're just yeah. on and off bursting. things. Yeah. So the game only goes for, you know, what, two hours. Um, so to run... That kind of pace in a game—it's that's pretty impressive what they do. So, nice. Mm.
0: So, pivoting back to the, I guess, the state surfing team. Mm. Uh, you got in struggling. Was was when the knee sort of, started giving, and that was the time to focus. When did that? You know, what what age did the tension fully swift? Yeah,
1: at sixteen.
0: Sixteen.
1: Yeah. So I remember had um, made the Sunshine Coast, which is our, our local zone. Um, surfing team and then the same with the afl team and the coach was like you know you got to make a decision you you can't keep missing trainings and and i was really only just doing one of the surfing ones yeah and uh and they're like well you know why are you interested in doing it or what so i kind of had to really make a call on what i was going to do and um it just felt right to go to go with the surfing side of things and um so that's sort of what what um, led me down that path? My dad was kind of spewing because, <laughs> um, you know, he was the runner a lot of the times in the yeah. games, and and obviously I was good, I was good at it, yeah. and uh, so yeah, and he didn't really understand surfing, so it was hard because the push was definitely for, for yeah. to play football, but um, or AFL, but um, but yeah, being a stubborn. <laughs> well just being
0: a person that wanted to do what I wanted to do, yeah. that's that's where I ended up. I can my my dad played rugby union yeah, at a no, national level so I can yeah. kind of kind of get that right. It was yeah. like that was that's your path. Like yeah. I wanna go on another path. No, no, that's your path. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no yeah. no no no. And then and then from a from a competitive uh, perspective, um, you know, 16's a pivot, you probably finished school here, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. when when was it when that moment comes, like, I'm actually going to try to compete because pro surfing then and now are two different, two different worlds, right? Correct,
1: yeah. Well, I, I, th- I remember being criticised for uh, around that age of, say, 17. Um, I was asked to um, represent our, like, a board riders club in, a, yeah. in an event at, in the open level because I'd um, won our division. And I said no because I needed to finish year 12, yeah. like, you know, my final year of school. And I was like, I really need to do that because I can... I can go uh, surfing anytime. and yep. I remember the the guys were kind of like, well, you'll never get this opportunity. You know, kind of like you're an idiot. You should, you know, surfing's everything. Why, yep. why would you bother um, doing this? But, you know, part of me was like, oh, I really need to um, also have the brain skills to do what I want to do. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, and I, it was funny. I remember being kind of pretty heavily criticized for that, you know, oh, your heart's not in it, you know, that kind of thing. And it was like, yeah, my heart's in it, but... Um, you know, it just it just felt like well, these kind of events, they're always going to be around. Yeah. Whereas this time in my life, I needed to do it, so yeah, it was hard. It was kind of like you felt sort of bullied in a lot of those sort of spaces because you're young, you're vulnerable, you don't know what to do, and there's that pressure of oh well, do you want to get all these sponsors and do all this yep. stuff? And um, so it's it's hard from a young age to to follow your gut, you know, because you're you're influenced by other people's egos and all sorts of other things so uh, it was an interesting journey as a kid like that for sure
0: and that's I mean I, I got lucky with my my under 21 rugby coach was just that mental role It was yeah, just right. so, you know he was so level headed he played at national level but just had someone who groomed me in a way yeah, and right. not pushed me in the right direction and yeah. if you if you can especially for young guys listening if you can find that person right just, and yeah. that's often not your dad which is a weird nah, thing right because yeah. you don't listen to your dad yeah. but just to find that one person who's, who's actually got your best intentions at heart it's it's really, really good. And, mm. and did you did you go uni or TAFE or anything after that, or was it just no. go straight in deep into the surfing? Uh,
1: yeah. So after that, um, I did actually uh, represent Australia in the under um, it would have been under eighteen's yeah. school surfing team. Um, and where and was that held? That was in New Zealand. Okay, um, whereabouts? Uh, it was there was a couple of different like so they had one event uh, I think was in Gisborne and the other one was in a place called Taranaki. And um, so I made the final in the Taranaki event. I got last in the final, which is fourth. Um, (laughs) But I think I was so stuck that I made the final. Um, But yeah, that kind of also made me feel like, well, maybe you could have a chance at doing surfing as a job. And I did also meet, um, you know, at that age, I met a guy that was that role model figure for me, a guy by the name of um, Steve White. Okay. Um, He he also did a lot of stuff for for Mick Fanning and a lot of other people. Yeah. Just the coolest guy ever. Like he ended up marrying me and my wife. Um, Brilliant. But just like my whole life, you know, like the best mentor, the most pure sort of soul person you'll ever meet.
0: And where's he based? Is he here? Uh, He's in Byron. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's
1: Gold Coast and Byron sort of area.
0: And how did how did you stumble across him? Oh,
1: classic story. But my surfing coach um, said to me oh there's a house at Burley Heads on the point Um, it was a a lady there that he used to coach she was a longboard surfer, and he's like "Um, you can leave your boards at this house when you go to this event if you ever need to like you know Um, and at the time there was a there was a compound down there so we had to sometimes you might have five or so boards and I had to do something and I was like oh what am I going to do with these boards and I thought oh that's right my coach said there's this house that I could leave it there so I knocked on the door expecting a lady to answer and um, my mate uh, answered the door and I said, Oh, I'm looking for so and so. And he's like, Oh, um, you know, she doesn't actually live here, um, they they'd separated. <laughs> okay. But, um, but you're welcome to leave your board here. Yeah. you board here. And I was like, I was kind of needed the help. It was yeah. like, Okay, thanks so much. You know, it was. Um, and then he, like, I, I came back and I just said, Oh, hey, thanks so much for doing that. I know you don't know me or yeah. whatever. So I really, really appreciate it. And he was like, No, no worries. Anytime you ever here, you know, or in this area you're more than welcome to and he was just a really kind sort of guy and you know when someone says that like um, sometimes it feels like I don't know you might be in LA and someone says that and you're like that means <laughs> see you later never talk to me ever again exactly yeah <laughs> but that time when he said it, it was, he was very genuine that authenticity comes yeah, through that, you yeah could, well you could just tell it was just like oh no he legitimately kind of meant that and I think it was like maybe six months later I had to pick up maybe like nine or something boards. Yeah. and the car was fully loaded and um we were all going surfing out at Burley Point and I was a bit worried about leaving all the new boards in my car and I thought oh I should ask that dude if that's cool Yeah. and um, yeah when I just went up and just said hey is that alright because it was like he had a kind of shed at the bottom of his house so he didn't really it wasn't yeah. like he didn't really care but um, yeah he was just a cool guy and at his house I noticed like there was all these little sayings like stuck to a like a light switch or stuck on the fridge Yeah. and, and at the time I was like this is weird like this guy does some weird stuff you know but he was really he was kind of way ahead of his time
0: you know but that's the thing because now you know I guess you know the motivational part yeah. of thing but this but was way before yeah, exactly.
1: any of that stuff yeah. and like you know like now everyone's like oh the secret have you got your vision board <laughs> yeah. but it's just like um, you know this is like yeah, well, yeah 20
0: years ago That's awesome Yeah And yeah. then how, how did your well, Sort of mentoring relationship Was it just a friendship That just blossomed
1: Um, You know what I kind of just said to him I said well, What does all this weird stuff mean You know <laughs> And he was like um, Well this means this And he kind of He was probably looking at me With a smirk on, on his face You know I'm like 18 He would have been Possibly 40 yeah. Maybe 40 And he was the fittest Chairman I'd ever seen He was actually he played for the Canterbury Bulldogs in the rugby league, yeah. and he was a business guy. That was his profession after football. But he was—I remember thinking that guy was the rippedest human I'd ever seen at forty. And, well, just he was yeah. just he was just so fit. And I was like, "Wow, I'd love to be that fit when I'm his age." But yeah. he was always so happy, and it was just something I noticed about him. Like he was just it was like this guy that was just beaming with light. Yeah, you could just feel it when he—you go, "Oh, wow, this dude's just there's something about him. He's really is." He's just a special kind of guy. And I just kept saying, oh, what's all this stuff mean, you know? And he sort of said, oh, well, he kind of like said, I'll give you like a, a book about one section of it and have, yeah. a, have a look at that and if when you read that or when it was like some tapes, I think, you know, yeah. that's how old it was. It was literally the tape cassette things that he gave me.
0: And, and was that, I mean, was that sort of, I guess, the early Tony Robbins kind sure. of stuff? Oh, or I was before him. Oh, it was wow. like
1: a guy called Brian Tracy or someone like the Psychology of Achievement was the, yeah. I think, was the first thing he gave to me. And, and it was old for him too like it must have been something that he had when he was younger and I, like I don't I remember trying to struggle to find a tape player to yeah. play it and uh, so um I remember I think I even got it converted I paid someone to convert it to a di- uh, CD CD yeah yeah because that's what it was then that's then, awesome so I listened to it over and over and over again to the point where then I, and I took notes on it and like that was however many hours those things yeah and, and I just went I just want to understand this like better than anything and and then once I fully had probably listened to the thing maybe like 18 times, um, he it was I said to him, okay, I understand this now. And then I went and talked to him. And it could have been like six months later. Yeah. And he said, okay, cool. We'll have a look at this one. And then I was like, okay. So then <laughs> back, go through it all again. But he was kind of, in a way, just testing me. Like, you know, like how, how bad do you really want to ask these questions? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, anyone can ask questions, but will you follow through? Yeah. you know And so when he saw that I was, he was just like, wow, this kid's actually committed and putting it into, like, practice, yep. you know, and uh, and then I think for him, it was, like, it was probably great for him to see that he could actually say something and someone would do it and he could see the change. Yeah. Um, so, my mentality was, you know, at the time I was hanging out with the cool kids and then it was like, yeah, well, well actually these guys are dickheads, yeah. you know, so that was a real, like, okay, why would I want to do that? Just because you know that they might be the who's who of surfing at the moment but they're actually not nice people. Yeah. You know that's when I started to
0: see everything from a totally different perspective. That's I mean that resonates so much with me and you know the program I've put together a lot of guys when you start to get that spiritual awareness and understand, you know, true authenticity. Mm when you start looking at who you surround yourself with, you end up with a completely different crew, right? That's right, yeah. Because because all the you know, especially with social media these days, don't get me started, but mm. all the glitz and glamour, right? It means yeah. nothing. Yeah. And, and and if you and I mean to have that gift at such an early age is awesome.
1: Well and, and I remember just thinking like I was like oh I'm kind of late to the game you know like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but, but I, I, I went you know like hard and it was hard too because you're, you're, everything you know is like flipped on its head yeah. and you're so vulnerable like you're so out of your comfort zone yeah. and to try and put these things into practice that seem like um, that no one else could make sense of but the reality was no one else in that space you're in
0: exactly you know, right but once
1: yeah. you went out it's like everyone else actually totally understands that and supports you know, that way of thinking, and, and it changed everything for me. Like, That's awesome. And people around that I was around, oh, now you think you're too cool. It's like, no, now I'm just not going to be a dickhead. Yeah. You know, now I'm not just going to treat people like shit, uh, or now I'm not going to be disrespectful to myself. Yeah. You know, so when you start to understand all this stuff, it's just like, wow, it, just, it changes everything. And your level of um, happiness is changes too because yeah. you're not you're not um being like you're not dictated by other people like you know when you're in when you're so vulnerable if someone else says something you're basing your life around what that is said or isn't said you know like it's a saying like praise and blame is all the same like oh yeah you're awesome okay cool i can feel good oh you shit. oh now i feel bad (laughs) so it's like well whatever it is you should always be able to feel good you know and um so yeah that was like a that just changed my life
0: now, for me, my my definition of happiness is how I made others happy around me. Yeah, right. And spend my whole life doing that. Yeah, okay. And then suddenly you end up, you know, single dad, a lot of time by yourself. You go, oh shit. Yeah. Like the definition of my happiness is now taken away. Yeah. Like what do I do? Yeah. It's time to make me happy and like, That's oh. what I was going to say when you said that. I
1: kind of thought, shouldn't you be looking? <laughs> but, yeah. you <laughs> but, but you got know, there. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. You know,
0: but it's, it's if you if you. For me served other people and suddenly you have to look within it's like yeah. pretty as you said, vulnerable and confrontate Yeah. Because I did not know what to do. Yeah. I had no idea how to look after myself. And at
1: first it seems selfish to go, oh what, I should um, make sure I'm happy first, but in reality it's it's impossible to like we all have a certain amount of energy, right? Yeah. And if you're drained your tank and giving everything away, you know, how the hell can you sustain yourself as a human, you know?
0: Well you can't, right? Yeah. I mean yeah. and that's for me, that was my light bulb, and I was mm. like, "Well, oh, should I only have to make sure I'm cool?" And then, through that and through my energy and happiness, everyone around me will automatically just you know, mm. feed off that. Yeah. Okay, we went deep there. Let's <laughs> let's let's go. It's good stuff, man. Um, so, eighteen QS. Um, yeah. So for for those. We don't know the surfing. Uh, I think it was it was it saw CT in those days and then the QS, yeah, so the, yep, yep. A qualifying series below, which yeah from the all,
1: WQS, which is the world qualifying series, and there's the WCT, which is the world championship tour,
0: which is the top tier. We're top 24 in, uh, in your it was days, 44 then, 44 in your days,
1: Yep. and then it changed to 36, it's 36 now, about okay. two or three years ago, or maybe even five, I don't know.
0: And and the qualifying series is top, I guess the top 12, your right to passage to get to the top tier, yeah. right? Yep. and from what I have read, heard, understand, it's a pretty tough, yeah, a pretty yep. brutal tour.
1: Yeah, yep. I um, I did that for three years. Yep. Uh, and you can, you know, you're flying all around the world, and you're competing in like knee high shit. Sometimes it's yep. just washing on the shore, and you know your your career is you know on a twenty minute heat. You know whether. <laughs> but but in saying that. That's the story of someone that wasn't successful at it. And that's, that's my story. Yeah. So someone else's would be like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, you just have to do one big air. And if you did that one big air, you've only got 20 minutes to do it. And you're sweet. So. Yeah. The perspective is that's the difference and um i obviously I was quite heavy for for how short i was yeah um and so what
0: are you weighing in in those days
1: uh i'm not quite sure probably around like 75 yeah. or something okay. like that yeah but for people that height um, that was pretty heavy yeah um you considering know, the surfing now mean. i'm at like 82 yeah eight, probably about 81 um yeah around that sort of weight when I'm at my fittest right now, I've got an injury, so I'm a bit lighter. Yeah. But once I get fit again, I should go get heavier. But if, I st- if I'm i at that 81, 82, um, I'm just fit as... Yeah. Yeah, and strong
0: and functional, yeah. 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 So for the qualifying series, when did the endorsement start coming? I mean, was it... Was before, it, that, yeah. it was before that, yeah. It before that. so
1: that was when I decided... Um, I worked, obviously, um, when I left school, I worked at the airport. Yeah. I had a couple of different jobs. Um, I was a dude driving the little... Um, car out to the plane to the baggage things
0: and you were yeah. the only guy that actually looked after the surfboards what's that yeah when yeah. <laughs> <For laughs> any of surfers you've traveled oh, our man. boards don't get looked after man <laughs> yeah, you realize
1: really quick shit if you have a cat don't send the cat on an airplane <laughs> poor little things just get traumatized
0: what, what other jobs did you have in the day
1: well i was doing that and yeah. then i was also um like a prop boy which is like this little battery cart so when the smaller planes come in you'd marshal them in and then you'd You'd go like right beside the spinning prop, and then you'd put this little battery card in the front, Classic. and um, yeah, and then then at night I um, I worked cleaning the planes. So like the planes might come in late at night, yeah, and I'd go to, like say a nightclub because I was at 18, so lit, and and then everyone'd go home at say one, and yeah. then I'd go clean these planes at like one at, one at night. But it was pretty; it was a pretty cool thing. Like, yeah, the aviation industry paid really well. Brilliant, and it was like a, um, a cool thing. But then I got to the point where had uh, sponsorship endorsements that paid more than if I worked those two jobs all week, you know, and, yeah. and weekends, so I was like, well, I don't need to...
0: And who, who were your early sponsors in this day? Coot I mean, Lines up?
1: was my very first sponsor. Sorry, who was that?
0: Coot Lines. Cool. Yeah. yeah. they
1: made these kind of cool jackets back in the day. Yeah. They were a kind of cool brand, but um, I was, I sort of, like, obviously having parents, it really seemed like back then and it's probably the truth now too you know you get endorsements based on who your parents or your friends know you know (laughs) especially as a young kid you know they're not just running around if your results were through the roof yes then maybe that kid you know would would get something but normally um, if you were sort of up in the top pack you had to kind of know someone or have someone sort of
0: get You in, or come through that pedigree, right? Yeah. So if you've got that pedigree for us through rugby, it was key. You yeah, guys got chosen because their dads were,
1: yeah, or just you know, you just didn't know. And yeah, so my family wasn't, you know, like we were like, we didn't, we're not from the beach, we didn't yeah. understand that. So there was a comp called um, the Cooter Lions Search for the Stars, it was at Kira, and the highest placed unsponsored surfer got a sponsorship from Kood Alliance. Sweet. <laughs> so, and that's how you got it? Yeah, I think I got uh, knocked in the semis, which was like sixth or something. Yeah, And obviously was the highest um, placed unsponsored surfer and that's how I got the sponsorship. Brilliant. Yeah. And then, um, so from that, um, then it kind of led to you know other things and yep. different glass sunglasses towel pads all that kind of stuff cool and you stick them all together and then you've got enough to go to whatever little comps and
0: <laughs> so from from growing up in the sunshine coast before i want to get back into the qs story but if, the surfs here is pretty pretty average and yeah. small and if mm. if for those who have seen and i put some videos up for the stuff mark surfs now it's pretty nuts how coming from here where the surf is just tiny and flat Mm. your first surf trip when you when you were young when you got into it where where was that and you know when when did you get that that itch and that 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 passion to travel because i mean it's obviously part of the the surfing culture and what we love to do
1: yeah well i mean nowadays the kids are like as young as 12 are getting sent to hawaii on you know surf programs and camps but back then um the first time i even left the country was for the under 18s um you know in the australian um squad thing yeah wow so and that was the first time i'd ever even needed a part like so i've been just in my own little world for that long crazy um and nowadays you know that's unheard of if someone was remotely trying to make it in surfing if at 16 they weren't already surfing hawaii or whatever that you know that was kind of something that would be pretty key to be pushing them down that path so um yeah i think it was there and then um the first kind of solid waves I ever remember experiencing was Western Australia. There was an Aussie Titles was at Rottnest Island um, for a few years in a row and uh, and a pro junior and stuff like that were were held there. And I remember shitting myself. It's probably only six foot two. And I remember (laughs) just going, wow, this place has got so much more power. You know, you surf a cyclone swell here and it's probably maybe six foot and it's probably not really a real six foot. Could even, you know, be a horizontal eight foot. But just fluff burgers in comparison, and you serve a solid six foot day there, and you know about it. You know it's it's very similar to Hawaii, in the power that the waves have in in the west, and that was a real like it was an eye opener. But it also it triggered a lot of those childhood fears. Yeah, for me, and I think at that point, as a young man, when you're 18, that's when you really start to get your back up on things, and you really want to prove things, and that was probably a a really strong turning point for me not knowing but subconsciously wanting to prove to that inner child that I wasn't afraid uh, and that was a real strong drive to kind of it was it felt like footy to me because in footy I was the little guy and the little guy always if you're a rover you're always at the bottom of the pack yeah. getting the ball so you, you, you get used, smashed you get used to smash and you dish out a fair few smashings too so changing to that sort of bigger powerful way is getting throttled underwater I was kind of I remember it kind of feeling like footy okay. so I had that sort of it's okay but I wasn't really that comfortable in the water Um, but that feeling of dealing with the pounding was sort of like okay it's like me dealing with the the six foot guy, yeah. or you know, because that even in the sixteens there was these freaks that were like six six, and <laughs> you yeah. know, and you're this little yeah this little I've got five you, yeah. foot kid trying to take these guys on, but you you would you know, and uh, and that's just that's just how it sort of worked. But I remember that that feeling was kind of similar, but then obviously the panic was really strong, sure, because that was then triggering back to being stuck on the bottom of a sheep's trough in the trough, yeah, yeah, about to die, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: Uh. so so I mean I definitely we're going to get into the big the big wave stuff now in your transition but for the 3 years in the QS I mean mm. you obviously at a point in time you've got to say like yep. enough's enough yep. with with all the with all the sort of mind work that you did with Steve it was Steve right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in the beginning when did it get to the point where you said listen you know, this is not for me this yeah. is not my gig how, how did that that transition happen
1: well it sort of happened in a way because I was my sponsors at the time were wanting me to do a lot of photo trips. like yep. magazine trips were huge back then. the mags were making the most money. Um, the website stuff didn't exist yeah that was um, you know I remember being on the beach in Hawaii and Andrew Shields, who's a photographer for Surfing Life magazine, said, Oh, I've got the this new camera and it doesn't produce film, it's digital and everyone went, Oh, well, that'll never work. <laughs> you know? well,
0: Facebook's just a trend, right? Yeah, right. So how the
1: world changed so quickly after. But it was all you know, that so that was the thing. Everyone was it was you're on you're on surf trips. So I was doing the QS but I was never I never did a full year of just focusing on the QS. I was probably always doing, you know, um a tr- a half-assed thing and, and the reality was because I probably wasn't you know getting the results yeah so like I always did well in Western Australia um, I because remember, of the power yeah I always yeah. tended to do and it made no sense coming from the sunny coast I should have been really good in small ways. Yeah. I actually um, so after three years I was kind of I, I had those years where I did a fair few QS events the pipe event um, the chopu trials all yeah. those kind of ones and then um, a lot of magazine trips but always at the end of the year you know i was like uh oh, you know i'm way out of the cutoff zone where yeah. you need to be to start off in the in the, the the money round so to speak and um and then i really just started to analyze my results over three years i was like it's pretty obvious i suck in small ways. yeah you know and i looked at that going. the best results were you know the chopper trials for the ct um they'd choose a hundred wild cards back then and of those 100 wildcards, one person would make it into the CT. Yeah. But that's why the wildcards were so deadly, because we, they made it so hard yeah. for us. But for four years in a row, I made the top 10 in that. Yeah, And I was so close all the time. Like you know, One time was eight, the next time was whatever. But I was always in that right there yeah. bracket. And in Margaret River, I, um, the, the Margaret River Pro, I had my best results there and the pipe event. As where I made the main event um, or main rounds. Yep. So you start off at the round of 300 and something and you get through to the round of 64 yep. and then you're exhausted but then you're like, okay, now it's really now you're in the main no, it's event. It's game time, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of where I had all my best results and I was like, well, maybe I we should just focus on what I'm actually doing well at, you know. So that's what I did. I, really, I thought, well, maybe I should just spend all my energy focusing on bigger ways. Yep. And um, I was at the US Open. Huntington Beach and I'd just come back from Durban in South Africa yeah. and I was riding the stationary wave at I think it's um, Schlunga or something. Schlunga Rocks, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. this like stationary wave in this shopping centre it's so much fun and uh, I, I, I got flogged on it and I landed awkwardly on my toe and I thought oh, I kind of jarred it Yeah. and when I got to Huntington for the next event um, I, it was just really hard to grovel, like to, to push through on those tiny little waves yeah. there. I was really needing my toes and I was yeah. really needing to push off them and it just hurt so much and I saw the physio there and he's like dude you got a broken toe for sure. Um, so yeah I got knocked out early in that Huntington event. I still I mean still tried my my heart out but yeah. um yeah it didn't really work out for me and then I was flying home from that event and I thought oh, you know what I'm over this shit. Yeah. Like you know I'm even though I'm injured and I'm not going to do the rest of the European leg or whatever. I'm like I'm just bashing my head against a brick wall. Like I'm not, I'm not good enough in this space. I'm not. I don't wake up and think, yeah, I can't wait to surf, surf one ways. foot slop. <laughs> when it's like that, I go yeah. spearfishing. Yeah, you know, which is not really what someone in that space should be doing. Yeah, like the other kids would be like frothing out there practicing, and I'd just, oh, it just doesn't excite me, you yeah. know. Um, so I really realized you need the passion to be able to succeed at it, and I yeah. didn't have that, and um. And it was probably because I just didn't have the skill to be that you know light footed and yeah. do the kind of stuff that the kids were doing. I liked getting barreled or I like doing a big hack on a big yeah. wave. The man turns. <laughs> yeah, we're trying that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's when I just went. All right, I'm going to call my sponsors and yeah. tell them that I, that I'm over it. And even though you're going to pay me, I'm actually not going to do the QS yeah. anymore. And I'm and I'm sick of it, right?
0: I mean, that's that's an enormous moment, right? That because you yeah. because you got to put food on the table. <laughs>
1: I know. Well. Back then, you're, you know, you, I think I was, yeah, eight, 19 or whatever, and you're living at home still because you're only, you're in Australia for four months in a year. Yeah. The rest of the year, just, you're away. Yeah. So you come home for a week at a time. So it was just a place where you left your stuff, you know. And how, and
0: how did your sponsors take it? I mean, what, what is this?
1: This is the funniest thing. Like, this is where I really think it was um, fate that yeah. came in. So I'd made the decision. I was like, you know what, stuff it. I'm going to ring them. I'm going to say that whatever. I'm just, not going to do it I want to focus on surf big waves and I know you guys don't want me to do that so I'll just take it on the chin and find a way and um, so I prepared myself of how I was going to tell you know the, the CEO of that company yep. and, and whatever and the day before I was about to ring him my phone rings and it was him calling me and I was like, oh, shit, maybe he's heard, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, how are you going? And he's like, yeah, good. And I was like, yeah, I've been meaning to call you. He said, oh, that's good. And it, but it kind of sounded like he didn't really know. Yeah. And then he said, look, I know you really love doing the QS and stuff, but the brand's had a change of what it wants to do. And we really actually want to focus more on bigger waves and stuff. And we would rather, and he was kind of like wording to me like, I know you're going to be disappointed. He like, said, <laughs> we would rather you spend more time because we're getting more value out of you yep. doing all these photo trips and getting shots in magazines and stuff it's like we would rather you focus on big waves and bigger surf yeah and get us the shots that we need for our marketing than you chasing the qs and I, he goes i don't know how you feel about it but it's just the way the brand's going and i was just like whoa, whoa. So i couldn't even speak i was like are you kidding you know it's just like holy shit like i was just about to ring up and say I quit because like, I, of that because yeah. of that and then he he calls me the day before to tell me that no we're now changing that and i was just
0: like fuck that's that's the, that's the universe speaking <laughs> yeah like i mean it's amazing yeah yeah and then and then i mean obviously because the, the the big wave world tour wasn't a thing back in the nah, day No, nah. um
1: well, ross clark jones was really the only guy that was surfing big waves more than yeah. normal you know like he was kind of the man. He still is, I reckon. He's, he's such a, a nutter, he's, su- right? he's such a cool guy. Yeah. He, he really is um, super humble. Yeah, there's not many people like Ross that would genuinely try and help other people. Yeah, like, and he, Ross was like that for me. He was he really helped me so many times.
0: But so um, did you? Did you at that time sort of you know connect with Ross, or how did that um, as you as I, you transitioned into? Yeah.
1: That? So. At that time, the funny thing was, too, the guy said, Oh, and you know, we know it's hard for you to make this decision, but the good news is we'll pay you more, too. (laughs) So I was just laughing, going,
0: Let let me think about that. I'll call you back.
1: (laughs) In my head, I was like, I was ready to quit. And then you guys, like, So good, man. So it was just the classic thing. And um, so I had a three year agreement. Yeah. And it was like, Okay, I'm going to go to every spot there is in the world. Anyone that was. Like I'd been talking with, like when I compete at the pipe event, I'd yep. see Jamie Sterling over there, and yep. he was someone I looked up to, and I was like, wherever these guys go, I'm going to go to the same spots, and I'm going to just learn what what they know, and and anything that any anyone does in this space, I'm going to, you know. Yep. I just went, but when I went into it full steam ahead, results came pretty quick, nice. and it was like I was going with the flow.
0: So, so how did your training regime change? Obviously, because you you know and yeah. luck with that stuff for right? us. You
1: know, the funny thing was, I was training on the QS, I was always pumped on training i loved it yeah and you didn't need to really do it to be a qs surfer i was always for some reason you know whether it was it's always ingrained in me i wanted to do like explosive strength yeah. training and all this stuff and it had no relevance to surfing one foot shit <laughs> and then all of a sudden when i changed i was like finally yeah. everything I actually want to do now makes sense yeah. and this is actually what you need to do for riding big waves right? That skill but my transfer, build yeah. all of a sudden was now perfect for <coughs> yeah. it you know, it was like oh everyone else is getting neck injuries and all sorts of things because they needed to have more strength yeah. in this area yeah. I'm like I actually already have that <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so weird. it was really cool because everything it was almost like it was obviously meant to be Yeah. and all of a sudden I was working in a space that was where I was meant to work in so um that just changed and and like i chased every swell like if there was a big wave swell i i went to it and i was there um you know i started off surfing like paddling into say pipe a lot and yep. all those spots and um then it was surf wyamere for the first time and then went and surf mavericks got flogged at all of them yeah but I just worked my way up and then um from there it was like then in stuff started after that um, but I remember seeing Ross Clark Jones out at a surf spot and he was kind of like hey you're riding a quad this will kill you um, in these kind of ways yeah. you, need, you know and then the next spot we're at a contest and I was riding a three fin and he's like oh see look how much better you're surfing I told you like he was really genuinely helpful yeah and he was such a cool guy like that um, Brilliant. so that was really cool to have that sort of support
0: so from a I'm trying to think how many years have we going back now probably
1: well you yeah, know I think he's, I've been probably that's yeah I'm trying to think probably 15 years 15 years ago just so I'm 37 now yeah I turned 37 like 2 weeks ago happy birthday whatever date that yeah. was yeah, <laughs> the, the 9th of March but um, yeah so I think I started just chasing big swells at like 25 yeah. or something like that yeah. so yeah it's about 10 years
0: and I mean we're going to get into the, the obviously your ocean warrior course yep. which I've done is awesome so yep. well done on that but from a breath we because I think the mindset in those days, as you said, was just try hold your breath for as long as possible. Correct. and that's what I did. I went
1: straight into that and went, okay, I've got to get this big breath hold. Yeah, And I worked with, um, I had a coach who's based on the Gold Coast named Nam. Yeah, He's pretty well known in that space. And I worked with him for about five years. Yep. But then I even got to a point with Nam where I was like, oh, I'm wanting to do things that don't seem realistic to the training that we're doing. And Nam is such a good bloke. Like, he's such a nice guy, but he also did a lot of fitness stuff. So yeah. he was kind of doing a lot of different things in one in like an area where there was other guys that just focused just on the freediving and the yeah. the breath stuff. So um, I sort of reached out to some guys that were like world champion freedivers, and they said, "Look, you, you know, your mate Nam, he's a really good guy, and what he's teaching you is really helpful. But the next level of that is a different space." Um, what you're doing now is kind of like a boot camp for breath-holding. Yep. But if you really want to go into a different space, this is where that is. Um, so that's sort of what I said to Nam, was I was going to you know, kind of work. But it's been five years, and yep. with any coach, I've found five years is sort of always the point where you're going to learn as much as you can from someone, Yep. and you'll see tennis players or whatever do that as well. Unless, um, you know... You guys are always evolving and changing things dramatically. You kind of learn everything you can learn in that space yep. from that particular person. So obviously, being super grateful for everything I learnt, it was like work with the next coach, yep. and that was another five-year journey. Then work with the next coach, and um, but these guys were like um, yeah, Aunt Williams and William Trillbridge. So William Trillbridge is like the 18-time, well, he's probably like 20-time now. The <laughs> last, as of last year, yep. he's like the 18-time world record holder for no fins no weights uh the deepest diving human
0: and and what is that depth
1: uh 300 and something feet wow yeah so he's i think so yeah
0: and what i mean what is his breath hold going down and up
1: oh i think just to do the whole swim like going down that depth i think it's around like four and a half minutes or something but they're moving while moving exactly their static holds are all at the eight minute mark um but he he was kind of like i was like that guy's the closest thing to a surfer yeah because other freedivers my first freediving coach was Ann williams he they'd use the mono the double fin thing yeah um and their techniques were different right and he's a legend guy too and super helpful and helped me so much for another five-year period and then he was like look i really think you should meet with another coach of mine who helped him and he's like he's in the bahamas he works at this place called dean's blue hole let's go there that's that's the mecca of freediving. Sounds tough. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a scary joint. And, um, so I went there and yep. then worked with, with William. And um, and then I started to get to the point where... Like, I had a breath hold of six minutes and four seconds. But I was going mm-hmm. to Jaws and places like that. And I was getting flogged. And I was like, it's not enough. Like, it's this breath hold is not wow. enough. And I remember thinking, I've got to learn to get like 12 <laughs> or something, right? Yep. That was the rational mind thinking. And then in reality... Um, I was doing another session afterwards. I was like, this actually isn't real. The training we're doing here doesn't replicate what happens to you when you're in the impact zone. Yeah. And then I started questioning my coaches again. Like, yeah. I'm you know, um, just saying, guys, this doesn't actually happen. Like, yes, it makes sense in this calm water, but when you're here, you're not actually doing this. Yeah. And um, that's when I was like, look, it's the world I'm in is different. Yeah. And I need to tweak this training because it's not. It's not, something's not right so then I'd go to places and on purpose I started to be really really aware when I was getting absolutely obliterated what's actually happening yeah. normally you're there going I just want to survive <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So <laughs> show me the top <laughs> yeah so I was like okay let's just try and understand this so I can tell my coaches so yeah. they can help me better yeah so that's what I did and then and then I realized I was like oh there's so many other things going on here there's so many things that that this training is missing and then I started to, to keep saying, "We go do stuff." I was like, "No, that's not real. No, that's not real." Yeah. We change it, we tweak it, we change it, we tweak it, over and over and, and again. And then even to the point where, um, Aunt Williams, who's one of the guys, in like his breath hold is nine minutes or eight minutes or something. Crazy, it's crazy. He rang me and goes, "Oh, what was it? What do you recommend doing this?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? You're asking me? Yeah. I'm like, you're the bloody human dolphin." You know? <laughs> but what he said, he's like, "Mate, honestly, the stuff you've developed is so specific to surfing." Yeah like even though like he's he's right now he's in um, somewhere in the snow and they've cut a hole in the ice and he's breaking a world record for the deepest diving human under ice so he's doing all this crazy shit and he has this super crazy breath hole but he was like honestly you're right it's yeah. what you're saying here is true this actually is real for surfing and he was asking me and I remember hanging on the phone I go I never thought I said to him actually I was like I never thought you guys would ask me, me what yeah. to do you know I'm like the student he's like, yeah, but you've tweaked it so much that this is actually so beneficial for that space. It's a Daniel Sun moment, huh? Yeah, yeah. possibly. I don't know. <laughs> but you've got to keep your ego in check. So I was just always like, you know, I was, yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe that. And that's then cool. and then he rang me back. It's like, yeah, I did what you said, and that's exactly right. That is the perfect thing for that.
0: And is that when you decided to productize it in the Ocean Warrior course? That's rivers?
1: right. Well, I work for, um, I started working um, with the top-level, um, military groups. Like yep. I was. I had a couple of those boys, um, they were in the, the Australian SAS, Yeah, and they were helping me on a project that I was working on, for throwing things out of airplanes. Yep. And doing Ooh, I stuff. want to get to that just yeah. now, yeah. yeah. So they were helping me with that, and then one day I sort of said, we're doing our training um, in the morning before we go to the airport yep. like to, the, to do the other training, do you guys want to come? And a couple of the guys came and they were like, wow, this is awesome, can you... Fly to Western Australia and teach the whole unit. Yep, you know, do a demo for them. I was like, yeah, sure. So next time I was in West Isles, I did did a demo for the the squadron over there, yep. and then in that squadron, then there were exchange students that were Navy Seal exchange students, and then and that's how that whole thing kind
0: of just happened. Crazy. Yeah. and that was all just all the breath hog techniques that you use in all the mm. pool work yeah specifically, it's more about the diaphragmatic breathing
1: uh it was more about like how to be efficient when you're moving um yeah. because that was what i learned was actually real so for a soldier that was real to them too yeah they're not sitting there going wait bad guys let me just get my breath then i'll go down you know they're, so they're gonna do what they're gonna do oh it cuts okay. yeah, yeah yeah. so that's what happens in the free dive world yeah. right you' prepping you're getting your breath ready all that shit's just not real you know and your body's not moving whereas what we learn is certain parts of your body burn oxygen faster than others so when you're doing these certain motions you're like far out we've got to change this change that so there were so many things and um from that i ended up helping um the top military groups for six years wow that's amazing just globally or yeah so the highest ones all around the world like um you can think of like yeah I mean it's kind of one of those things I probably can just straight up say like you know you can't really say it was this battalion and this group you know like you ask him to write where's the sniper (laughs) well you ask him to write your reference and it sounds like the most vague reference ever like the training he helped with was great it was just so vague that you're like I can't even use this because it was so um, decoded so to speak or whatever that it it couldn't give away anything that you did so that's fair enough. Fair enough. So
0: I mean, if mm-hmm. if you want to uh, punish yourself, Mark uh, does a in the Ocean Warrior course. He's got this uh, exercise just to prove pr- ex- uh, energy burn. Obviously, your legs. You yeah. see, I can't remember the number seventy yeah. percent of the burn. Yeah. It makes you do a breath hold and then do burpees with a breath hold, and it's just brutal. Yeah. First time I did that, I was like, oh my god, I'm going to die here. Well,
1: that's that's what happened. We went. Well, I can only help. Like if you're working with those kind of groups, you can only sort of work in that space. Yeah. And that's why I was like, I want to help everyone. So I reached out to Shane Dorian and said, mate, I've been training with this program. I think it's pretty awesome. I want you to tell me if you think it is. And if it's shit, tell me it's shit.
0: So just pause there, Shane Dorian's uh, Hawaiian, also ex-pro surfer, legend, big wave surfer. He's currently still the
1: the Michael Jordan of big wave surfing For sure. Everything you could possibly win, he's won. Uh, He was an um, ex-world championship tour surfer as well. And I think that's what makes the best big wave surfer is someone that can uh has the skill in small ways and big ways yeah uh, because you sometimes you'll see some guys that might be um talented in big ways but they don't have the skill in the other areas so there's parts that lap yeah that kind of are, are missing i suppose where you want them to overlap um so yeah he he's he's the king i, I think yeah sort of said him hey, mate can you can you help me um can you help me in this in this space and so I trained him in this course and he was like that's the best course I've ever done yep. I've done all these courses this one's by far the most realist he's like I want to get involved too you know I think I can help and so then he put his 10 cents in and then I, we got William Trudelbridge and yep. all the other um, freediving experts all of us combined to make this one course that yep. we call the um, it's called the Ocean Warrior or the Ocean Warrior is what it's called.
0: I mean, your, your references of all the, like, the guns that are invalidated is just... Nuts, oh, yeah, right? I mean, it's, but,
1: yeah, from that, I mean, we... So we just said, okay, well, well who, who else can we help? Yeah. So um, I worked with Tyler Wright early on before, well before her second world title, and then, um, you know, people like Owen, Owen her brother, yeah. um, Mikey, all sorts of different, different people, um, all the big wave guys, um, Garrett, uh, McNamara... Um, you know, And Kelly Slater, I spent a week with him before the pipe event um, you know, yep. a few months back. And he was awesome at it, actually. He was, he was so good that when one session we did, he was like, um, we had one of his other mates come along who was uh, Marcus Buschetta. He's like 11-time world jiu-jitsu champion. Oh, okay. And Kelly had become so good at it, he's like, oh, can I do the demo? I was like, sure, <laughs> you can do the demo. And he was actually really, really good at it. But he's such a quick learner, yeah. you know, and he was so. He was, it was just so cool to watch and see someone that is already, you know, the world's greatest surfer ever learn things that he'd never knew, yeah. and that was like that was super rewarding for us.
0: Because, because I mean, just following Kelly as a fanboy, I guess, yeah, is, too, yeah. Is, um, <laughs> You know, he he obviously went into Vilmhoff and the breathing stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I you know stumbled across Vilmhoff a couple of years ago. Yep. I guess before he went mainstream. Yeah. But I mean just for you because Vim's now a big thing right yeah. I mean is, is for him to resonate and sort of come to your program must be pretty pretty awesome
1: Kelly you mean yeah yeah totally yeah yeah and I've actually never done uh, I know I mean, Wim seems like an absolutely cool dude yeah uh, but he's, his stuff I think and he says it himself do not do this in the water no. you know do not do this driving a car that kind of thing yeah um, so for me personally I really only work on exactly what is relevant to the water yeah. um, so um, I train on the land the same breaths that I do in the water because I train on the land to be good in the water Yeah. so everything I do is based around that so anyone that kind of comes to me um, I'm working on setting them up for that space
0: yeah and it's just it's I mean you've you've absolutely nailed it so well done again just that skill transfer right so when you are getting flogged yeah (laughs) it's just it's which is not a good thing but it's just yeah just just, you know just shut everything down and ragdoll it and yeah um and yeah. I mean what are the plans for the course because I mean it's, mm. it's, you've obviously you know you've got every grave review you can have yeah um, is, is it, is it uh, I know there's some retreats coming up yeah what's, yeah. The, what's the evolution of, of that you know Ocean Warrior
1: yeah so we have um, the retreats where people can do the in person experience so yeah. we're setting one up next year we've got one at Namotu Island oh, sweet so Leith in Bend. Fiji yeah. yeah while we've got yeah rented the whole island so nice. you can um, it's I mean it, we're doing it next level as in bringing in our own chefs um, bringing in all our training crew out, all my coaches, everyone yep. um, and it's um, yeah it's a week experience where people can actually do the training and then go surf yep. wherever it is whatever level they're at, whether it's one foot one spot or you know four foot cloud break or whatever's coming yeah um, and then actually use that training into practice straight away but um, from there the, the actual course itself, I spent a year last year working with this lady in Newwood from you know, from Bali yeah and uh, understanding the breakdown of the mind like at a much deeper level and understanding the way the energy works and all that kind of stuff where I had uh, monitors hooked up to my head and all these little things and you're doing all these tests and I just thought to be, um, to help people at a greater level I need to understand it yeah. at a greater level. Yeah. So I spent a year working with her. Wow, well, in Bali? Uh, yeah, I went back a few times yeah. and every week you know, we were, we were doing stuff whether it be uh, over the phone but that was, that was really, really cool. The stuff I learnt from her and then, you know, I went to of sorts of crazy things out there to kind of really understand what was going on but we're bringing out a, a new course called the Elite Mindset yeah. for the Ocean Warrior course which is the breakdown of how our minds process fear and it's it's beyond surfing. Yeah, it's it well. So it's, it's not just for people that want to... Yes, it's amazing for all the water exercises but it's relatable to anything and that's... Um, so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to do the pre-season training camp for an AFL team. Yeah. Um, and prior to that, I worked for the Richmond Tigers. Um, they won the, the, the cup yeah. uh, two years ago. But this year, I'm working with the Melbourne Demons. Okay. And um, so that was cool. I got that buzz of working with the footy team again. But these guys have nothing to do with the water, right? They're athletes that are on the field. There's no transparency for them needing to be good in the water. But we worked with the Elite Mindset Program on them. And um, it was amazing. Yeah. Just to see the it's the process of how you deal with a task and how and how as soon as fear comes in how it blocks the task. Yeah. Um, and you know their coaching staff. So we trained 65 of them. So we had.
0: And these are top professional well, athletes, the highest, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So the Melbourne Football Club, I mean, is a huge football club. The Richmond um, AFL club. They're the same. They, you know, they got 100,000. Um, you know, paid members. They're wow. super wealthy organisations, every player, you know, there's 44 players and of that, 22 are in the main squad. Um, they're all, you know, um, big, big sort of money. It's the same as kind of, not, yep. not, not the same as probably... Uh, NFL money, nah, but, yeah. nah, but it's, but <laughs> but it's, it's huge it's in Australia. Australia, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, they sort of just said to me, um, their sports psychologists and their coaching staff said, we've been running a pre-season camp for 25 years yeah. and this is by far the best one we've ever had. So I was like, "Can I get that in writing?" <laughs> and they're yeah, and I are like, "Yeah,
0: sure." And I was like, "Cool." I'll go to the military for that. Oh, yeah. it was, it was like it was, the first time the, yeah.
1: I was like, "Yes, I can actually <laughs> say." So I can say what someone said. <laughs> Normally, like, no. The training was good. Class, <laughs> classified. No, <though. laughs> can't do that. <laughs> all
0: right. So, so from like two things there from the the brain was that tapping into the subconscious brain and and beyond, and, and beyond the fears yeah. of that.
1: Yep, and the process of how we deal with the task. So if a task comes to us, often we all look at that task and we're three steps ahead, right? Yeah. And in this particular um, program, it's like you can't hide from it if we, we did it in the water on purpose so the guys couldn't hide from it. So if they said, yeah, I understand what you mean, but the moment they go underwater, if they didn't, they have to come up. Yeah, right? that freak and out. It, and yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't about long, you know, they were underwater 10-second holds and things like that, but there was a process they had to go through yeah. and they had to stick to one process at a time and how you do that is you feel versus think. And how, how do you feel? Well, you got to get out of your head. And yeah. how do you get out of your head? Well, there's a whole process on how you wow. actually
0: do that. That sounds awesome. Yeah,
1: and it was, it was a real, like, um, kind of breakthrough thing. And then then we realized, you know, so working with um, Marcus Brusetta, the uh, jiu-jitsu guy, once yep. again, doesn't need to be in the water. And um, when I was teaching him this elite mindset, midway through it, he was looking at me like he wanted to fight. And I was talking, and I'm looking at him going, okay. Yeah, he's going to win, right? Right, and I'm just thinking, this dude's a heavyweight, right? And he's a massive, massive unit, and like, you know, the best you dude there is. And I said to him after, I said, did you like what was going on? He said, oh, man, it's the best. I said, well, that's good. I said, because at one point, I thought you probably weren't that into it, and you wanted to fight me. He goes, no. <laughs> he said, I triggered him to go back into a fight, and he oh, remembered... Wow. The process of what was happening is I now I remember why I lost that fight. I did exactly the process that you just explained. He goes, and, and it, but he felt it so strongly that I thought, shit, he's going to try and attack me, you know. But it was he was going through that wow. experience, and it was really cool because I was like, oh, okay that's what happened but um, he just said yeah that that makes everything then made sense and he knew and I was like it was just so rewarding to be able to help him you know that's amazing so Mm. when
0: are you when are you looking to launch that so Um, from a similar to online through the yeah I think
1: we'll make it online to it has to be scale but, but me being myself like you know we the ocean warrior course it had to be flawless yeah to the point where I went like can everyone understand this we took it to an educational section and said what are the three types of learning you know like it's the, you know the way that people learn and we had everything done to that course where there's little diagrams that pop up as you're being explained yeah. things it's, yeah. it's next level and me being a perfectionist that's the thing i'll struggle with is the course is finished the online course is finished filmed edited yeah but i really want to make sure i go through it and even speak to some of the the gurus in the other spaces and say is this 100 percent clear on this yeah. is that you know because the people that buy any of our stuff we want them to go fuck yeah that was so awesome that was yeah yeah and and have it be something that they can go back to and just like me like that little kid that was going through those tapes it'd be relevant in 50 years time yeah you know um because uh i get it's frustrating when you see these other things where people like oh yeah do this 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 and it's a lot of it's fluff yeah you know so it's like i just want to make sure it's 100% tried and tested and then when I know it is, that's, that's what it, before I released the Ocean Warrior course, that's why I went to Jaws and had someone drop me off in front of waves because I wanted to see, did these techniques actually work? Because I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say or put my name to it yeah. if
0: it's not legit, you know? So for those who don't know Jaws, it's the scariest wave in the world? Yeah, I'd say, so it was that, that Nazare for me? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So I had him just, I was like, it wasn't the biggest day in the world, but I mean, the sets were still like 50 foot face. Yeah. And when a set came, I was like, "Yeah, just drop me off in front of it." So I jumped off in front of them, and I was swimming underwater, and I was practicing everything yeah. that I'd learned. I was like, "Wow, it's actually this is awesome." And then someone said to me, "Oh, well, it's kind of not real because you don't have your board, you know, because you would have paddled in there." I said, "Okay, great." So I paddled in there, and just and then I went, "Oh, I've a board. It's cheating, you know, because I got so good at yeah. how it worked." I was like, "Oh, this is easier. It pulls me away from the the, the impact zone. Exactly. Now I can do this and this." And I was like. Yeah, I was like... I came to the point where I felt like I was cheating if I had a board with me. Nuts. So nuts. Because often, you know, you might snap a leash and yep. then you're stuck there. So yep. I wanted to know from every angle, was it real? But uh, I think I think definitely this year that um, Elite Mindset course will come out. It's just a matter of how detailed we go. It's already six stages. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I really just want to make sure it's broad enough for everyone to, to be able to access, not just people that are wanting it. Because I, I really was able to tap into the part of anyone doing the water course, yeah. how they could use that. Yeah. But then when we when we did it and we started teaching people that had nothing to do with the water, they were like, oh, this is the best ever. And I'm like, shit, I might really need to make sure I tailor it for everyone so we can help everyone.
0: Because that's something I've, I've struggled with with my course I'm bringing out for the Divorce Guys, right? It's yep. like, you, you want to make it perfect and you want to make it so comprehensive Yeah. and you know the advice I got was get something out there just yeah, for guys, like a ground right. zero. And now I'm like up to like 103 chapters. Because as you, is, as you go, and it's like, oh, you need this, you need this, you yeah need this. And,
1: uh. But a lot of these people, they just get it out there. They're the people that are selling how to sell. And what I find with people that sell how to sell, they make money when you get something out there because you're running it through whatever platform they do. Now, yeah. oh, if it failed, now you need my techniques to do the next yeah. thing. I kind of, I don't know, I've, I've been around that a lot. Yeah. And I often see that the people that sell how to sell are the only ones that make money in those kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough (laughs) because you know so like when there's a guy that's creating the course like you said that you're trying to help all these people yes you need to get it out there at some point you know but um, yeah I think it's definitely important to make sure that you're happy with it first
0: well, yeah. that's that's why I just keep layering, right? Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, he has a chapter. There's sort of module. He has ten chapters. Yeah. And every day I have a conversation to another divorce guy. I'm like, oh, should I need this? I need this. But need what this, you could this, do is this. you
1: could release the first part and say, here's the first ten chapters. Yeah. You can get that out there, there now. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah and then and then and then say, all right, cool. We're going to have the next lot of chapters. Um, but yeah, I, I've seen some things where people are like, yeah, just get it out there, and the guy that's that's paying that's getting paid to teach how to teach yeah. so to speak he takes all the money the dude puts a course out there that hasn't really thought about it and yeah. it's a piece of shit yeah. and he doesn't make a cent out of it and then he's desperate and then this other dude's like they've got him under their wing yeah. oh you need me now you, know? you so, need Facebook advertising yeah or you, for that. exactly or, you know, <laughs> if, if you don't set up an account with us and I just go uh, it's, it's brutal like yeah. that so I kind of you feel for those people because I've definitely been in that space like well what do you do but um Probably starving enough to go. Nah, I'll make sure it's
0: well. I mean, if you just if, if you believe in the content, right? Yeah, it, you got it. it. it yeah, hey, it's obviously tricky to get it out but once it's yeah. out and people you can see it and access it, exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, right. So, so, um, the lead mindset, get that out. It sounds awesome, yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. That sounds epic. So let's pivot all the way back to the WSL Big Wave World Tour. Yeah, right. So, as you said, accolades came quickly. Yeah. Got a couple of paddle waves of the years, some seconds on those. Yeah, ran um, up
1: a lot of times, which is
0: frustrating. But, <laughs> eight, uh, I think, by what I nah, three. three? Yeah,
1: and then I won um, the Big Wave Paddling Award, which was um, probably the better one anyway, because the must... other ones were tow in event yeah. ones. So, that was probably more rewarding.
0: So, I I mean, from from those days, that the, I know the tow era started, and there was a mm. bit of a... Uh, a fracture in the big wave surfing community, from what I understand. It well, we between... became
1: uncool because people that couldn't actually surf, like literally mightn't be able to even do a turn on a one yep. foot wave, are going down a 30 foot wave, like just swinging <laughs> their arms and going straight and getting obliterated. And it was like, okay, this isn't surfing, or they try to regulate it. Yeah. Like, okay, everybody, you're going to paddle now, and everyone paddles out there, but the same people just have 10 vests on, they sit in the lineup. They're still going to get out there. Everyone wants to experience things so yep. I guess that was my understanding of probably why it went that way but it's, it's worked out better for me too because unless you have a jet ski in every single location um, it's hard to be the guy that gets the best ways whereas paddling you've got a good chance of that Yeah, yep. yeah. especially at Jaws if the right there's 50 people on the right and you're willing to go left on a big day no one wants to go left because like on a smaller day it's kind of a fluffier sort of way yep. but if you go left on a really big day that thing just closes out in front of the whole
0: in front of a um, cliff sand so. yeah
1: yeah it's the most brutal spot to be stuck <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, I, and I sense you've been stuck with. oh yeah yeah,
1: washed all the way around into the thing but that's the thing Like it's kind of like no one it's the harder choice yeah. but it, the numbers are limited Then there might be four dudes sitting on the left and then 50 guys 50. on the right the right's a better wave yeah. better bowlier section
0: but and you're a goofy right so if that... being a goofy can't help go away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm i like Zuland I can only turn right yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but in saying that I think my best waves have all definitely been the rights yeah
0: yeah so, let's go to Night Rider. Yep. Um, do you want to just tell everybody what that's... not? This is not Kits the car. This is a, a project that you did. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just yeah. discuss how that crazy thought even came about and, wow. and the whole journey behind that.
1: It was really... And it's the journey that we spoke about. It was... If we just sum it up, it was a kid, me, yeah. trying to prove to an inner kid that I wasn't afraid anymore. Yep. I didn't realise it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I had this... Uh, a friend actually said to me at a charity event one night, he's oh, like, this crazy dream that you surf this huge wave at night. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, my dad owns these um, push bike lights. That yeah. are waterproof. You should test one out. So I actually did. I said, okay, cool. I tested it out in like one foot surf, just like just over the road. Yeah. And it was a write-off, right? The thing wrapped around my neck. And I was like, oh, it's a suicide. <laughs> and I went, shit idea, never doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it kind of just stuck with me. You know, like a year later, someone said, oh, imagine riding a big wave at night and I was like oh I thought about this you know a guy had even mentioned this and I kind of dismissed it and then I became obsessed with it and then I started just thinking maybe there's another way maybe it's not the little torch maybe it's something else and I didn't know why at the time why I was so obsessed with it but what I really was obsessed with was trying to because from what I knew that would have been the most and is the most terrifying thing ever to do yeah Uh, it was to surf jaws at night and to do that I would have to be totally um, free of fear. Yeah. Right? And so what I was seeking without knowing was to prove to myself that I wasn't afraid anymore. I wasn't that little kid that was afraid of the water or drowning. And I didn't know it. And I really, I was just, people would go, what, why do it? And I go, just, I just, it's because I'll, I'll be the best version of myself. I just really, yeah. all I could think of was it would make, there was a part of my mind that was connecting it to you'll be the best version of you that you can be. Yeah. But I didn't realize why, why do I want to be that? And the reason was, was I wanted to prove that I wasn't afraid anymore, because as soon as I did it, well, yeah. after I'd, like that night I rode like 14 waves and, um, and it was probably like um, 30 to 40 foot faces on the, on the wave at Jaws and uh, I came in and I just felt like oh, all that weight off my shoulder yeah. that I didn't realize I was carrying was the fear of still being afraid, it had vanished
0: and, and did you have a sense of peace after that oh my God. were you just a different yeah. different guy totally,
1: I was like totally it was like I finally was free wow. it, it felt like I could have sat in the field for like four weeks and never said a word it was just like phew, the whole my whole I didn't and I really didn't realise it until the end was like, yeah. I realised like wow I've totally been trying to prove to myself that I'm not afraid and that's all this was and this was the ultimate thing that could prove without a shadow of doubt like you take off on a huge set of Chopu you get a 10, you go, well, I still could probably be a bit afraid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's what I was saying to myself, like, you know, and, I got, and I had that. Yeah. Um, you know, or you, you, you get a monster wave at, in South Africa at dungeons, dungeons or wherever it was, and I had all these monster waves, but then a part of me was like, well, was it the biggest wave? Like, I yeah. was still questioning myself, and I was like, what would stop me questioning myself? And that project was, and then why did I want to stop questioning myself? It was because I wanted to prove that to that, to that little kid. And it was, and when I did, it was like freedom.
0: And how how's that changed your your mental state in the lineup since then? Um, when you don't, because I mean, I think from my understanding, yeah, it's, it's so that's all
1: it changed. it changed. and it's silly because I should have been able to love myself regardless. Yeah, but for me personally, I had to literally nearly kill myself to do it, <laughs> and it's so stupid, right? It's so stupid, but that's how hard yeah. I'd, I'd push myself to that point to finally accept me and then you look at it and you go man what would I tell my kids you go, holy shit
0: yeah, you gotta go surf jaws at night no no, you'd be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no you can learn how to just accept yourself without yeah. having to do all this yeah.
1: stupid shit
0: so how many years ago was that uh, it
1: was, that was in 2011 okay. so a fair few years ago Yeah.
0: and I mean that just doesn't happen overnight so let's let's no, was four, four years four year project yeah, four I four mean years. because surfing I'm assuming on a full moon uh, we did have
1: a full moon. It didn't really help. Didn't help. Uh, this is the angle of it, but yeah.
0: So you need a. I mean, you need the swell. You need the yeah, choppers. The chopper. You need a chopper. Thank yeah. you. Someone flying past. So I mean, so it was a four-year project. Yep. And how do you? I mean, how do you even a start that project and get the right crew and b get funding and all that oh, stuff? That it was just was,
1: a... yeah. It was. It came down to, um, you know, putting it all out there. Really understanding the project deeply. Yeah. Um, working it out like so detailed in a business plan and understanding every part of it and then being true to yourself like i could have sold out to a uh a brand that was going to say it was this branded event but then to me the reason i didn't want to film it i was like what if i can't do it you know like it's way too much pressure and i didn't want to do it um, but i couldn't afford to pay for all the helicopters and everything to actually (laughs) do it right so a company sort of said well we'd like to film it make a doco on it If you let us do it we'll pay for all the stuff that you need yeah um so that was the cut the thing you know i was like i didn't want the pressure of dealing with it but then i had the opportunity to do it yeah and um it 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 helped for sure in a way to get it um done but done the right way because i wanted to do it and have the message be clear i was like okay i'm going to do a doco the message needs to be clear on on other people um, being able to um, do their ultimate dream yeah like this isn't about a brand product this isn't about yeah if you do this you wear this or you drink that yeah you know which to me I was like that's that's not right I could have taken that path about twice and when it, when the funding for the film project wasn't on board it was like oh, geez,
0: she's tempting man super tempting yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah luckily I was able to work with private uh, funders that were wanted to make that film and um yeah, without that, I would have been screwed, really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and from, from, I mean, did you stop towing here? How did you actually... Oh, yeah, even... yeah,
1: yeah. We were towing in out there at night. I was There's the Coast Guard boat over there. He was chasing me around thinking I was some kind of drug mule or something because <laughs> I was on these blacked-out jet skis with no lights coming in at 1 o'clock and they could see me on their radar thing. And, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So how I mean how many people were in that crew? I mean, it's
1: probably, you know, like about fifteen people. Yeah. And everyone was secret squirrels about everything. It was really cool to do that. Because I didn't really want to raise attention to what I was doing. I yeah. just wanted I was just so terrified. Yeah. And I was just trying to prove that I could do it. Yeah. And that's all I wanted to do. I didn't give a shit about anything else. And I didn't want to have everything else involved, you know. Like to me other people or external noise like you know I didn't want to go say oh, yeah, I am going to do this yeah. I was okay with them doing it afterwards and even at one point I wasn't you know and one of my coaches said look if you do this you'll inspire all of us we'll be so inspired and they said uh, and if you do this and you let them film it you'll inspire so many other people yeah. all around the world and then he said stop being such a selfish prick <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and get over your insecurities of being filmed yep. and let them capture it to inspire more people. So when I saw it from that point of view I was like all right get over it you know and and there's a heavy criticism that comes with that too because then it's like oh you know are you doing this just because you want to do that and no one's going to know your true reasons yeah. so you got to cop it all
0: I'm cuz from what I understand the big wave community some people are pretty outspoken about what you're doing yeah. and, and oh. criticized you pretty heavily yeah at the time totally yeah.
1: yeah and then and then oh yeah you can't be done or whatever and then when you do it it's like yeah yeah that's totally doable
0: (laughs) it's just like (laughs) the four minute mile yeah yeah it's the same story
1: so um, but yeah totally and but that's when I just had to go you know what someone else's opinion of me is none of my business yeah I've got to just do what's right for me and they don't know that I'm struggling with being afraid they don't know that I'm trying to overcome this and this is my life and if they're because like, essentially, anyone that's not cool with some person wanting to do something that's going to change their life and help them be free, like you think about, it, what type of person wouldn't want someone to do that? Yeah. And then you go, okay, that's their ego. Yeah. That's that
0: person's fear
1: of not being.
0: Well, them not being good enough, right? Yes. Someone else exactly. Being, being well, at a different tier, it, yeah. and it's
1: got nothing to do, nothing to do with me saying, oh, now I think I'm better because I, I don't. It doesn't yeah. matter. I go. Now I'm free. Me personally, I'm yeah. free, right? So that's, and that's the thing. And that's the biggest misconception is when you see that, when you see people that are trying to shut you down, all they really are is someone that's saying, I'm scared too. Yeah. I'm not, I, I don't think I'm good enough. That's all that person is saying. Because the person like Michael Jordan or whatever, that is already totally content with what he's done yeah. or whatever, he's not going to criticize some kid that wants to be an epic basketball. He's going to say, good on you, man. Yeah. Go for it.
0: I mean, Jordan's a classic story, right? I mean, you know, got cut in college, wasn't yeah. wasn't who he was meant to be, and was yeah. you know, the absolute goat, yeah, uh, in that space.
1: But you you see that with anyone that's at the top of their game, they're not. Some people can have ego issues, yeah, but majority of them, they're not going to want to uh, rip some person for wanting to do whatever they want to do. They don't give a shit. But
0: that'll, I mean, to me, that'll come with time and in a piece. When yeah. when you when you yeah. when you. I mean, I think all of us are so desperate, and I've been you know, my whole life trying to prove myself to people. Yeah. But if you just at peace and you just sit... But what you realize irrelevant. is
1: you're really trying to prove yourself to you.
0: Absolutely. And
1: then when you understand that and you go, oh, yeah, that's actually... Who who really matters? Yeah. You know, when you can see that for that, then you go, huh. Yeah. It's like you realize really quick, you're like... Because <laughs> at the end of the day, when, I, when I'm happy, do, does everybody else celebrate with me? Like, no, they're not part of my life it's me yeah you know so yeah. you got to understand that and then
0: yeah when you put your head on the pillow after a good day it's yeah. it's you and your head eh? yeah
1: that's right and then but but in saying that if you can if what you do inspires other people to be the best version of themselves yeah. well that's even better you know? i mean
0: i've i've just you know as you said this project of in infancy but just chatting to guys daily and trying to help people and give them perspective hmm. and see them that they can come out of the other side, it's just, it's like the best thing ever. Yeah. It, it's it's, uh, it's this bizarre gift that you can, you know.
1: Yeah, help them help them see that for themselves. Let's we'll talk about
0: Operation Deep Blue. Uh, from what I don't know much about it, but it's jet skis getting thrown out of planes and yourself. So mm. what's the concept around that?
1: Well, the biggest thing with that was, I guess, after completing the Knight Rider project, that was me climbing my Mount Everest. Yeah. And when you get to the top of your mountain, what you realize is the view is pretty awesome. Yeah. You're like, oh, great, <laughs> finally. But then you look around and you go, wow, there's other mountain peaks. Yeah. You know, And that's that's what Operation Deep Blue is, is a, a realisation of, wow, if I could achieve something that everyone said was impossible and I did, yeah. what else could I do? And, um, and uh, I guess there's no way to really explain this one other than you could maybe just put a link on the trailer and it explains itself. But, yeah, we found a wave out in the middle of nowhere, and the only way to get there in time is to jump out of a plane... And parachute the jet skis in and everything because we're like, oh, well, let's just take a boat. That's obvious, but so far it takes from too land, long to get was there. Was four days and nights, and you could leave, and then two days into it, the condi- like the conditions would change yeah. and you just keep coming back. So I was like, how could we get there within two days? And flying a plane was the was the, the only the option raises. to really do that. So yeah, that's that's a project I'm working on um, right now. Have been working on it for a while. It had a few issues with um, greedy producers and stuff like yeah. that but the right ones are all um, nice. coming in and it's all uh, sorting itself out. And then, yeah, and then after that, um, I've just, i kind of just just worked on a book too. Yeah, you released yeah. End of last Year? Yep, um, with a company called Hay House. Yep. It's a big sort of inspirational book company. And that's really about that night Rider journey and the exact steps and the exact process that I went through and, and um, how I dealt with it and um, really just help other people deal with the same thing, whether their thing is you know becoming a successful real estate agent lawyer teacher whatever that is it's the same principle so so that's what i sort of released that book for is just to give people the same things that i went through all the different coaches sports psychs, um business coaches because there was a large business element to it um how to help them and give them the best you know chance to kind of chip in and say i'll see if any of that's relevant for, for what they're doing
0: and, and how was it to write a book? You obviously don't sit still very well. Nah, so.
1: nah. I had to do a lot of it by uh, like voice. Yeah. Like you know, like just t- three-hour dictations at a yeah. time, and then go through, have a uh, have someone work with me to draft it up, and read it, and then go. Yeah, no, nah, it's kind of drifting off topic. It was more this. Yeah. And so that was a year, a year process. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So. Well
0: done on that. Up. I know we're conscious of time. Yeah. Um. So thanks so much. Really, it's no been. No worries, awesome conversation and thanks for supporting me where can people find you besides in the ocean I mean where, where's the best place um,
1: like yeah if you, I mean if you wanted to come to one of the ocean warrior yep. courses the course is ocean warrior the ocean warrior com I'll, I'll put links up in the show notes okay, for everything sweet. and um, I guess yes yeah, that's pretty <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know that's pretty much I'm, it. Never, I'm never really in one spot but um, <laughs> if, yeah I guess markfisser.net is it yeah yeah that's right I've got a website <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the tech guy yeah, right? yeah. and it's, yeah. Uh, social media things as well.
0: Cool, cool. Yep. And any any closing thoughts, comments to guys who are at the bottom of the barrel trying to find their way out? Any um, closing thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think you know. I think what you're doing is an awesome thing. Thank you. Mate. There's so many people out there um, that are going through what you're going through, and it seems like there is a lot of support for women in that space. And fair call. They're yep. dealing, you know, with the kids and everything too. But um, you know, everyone's all about equality now and making everything um, the same so I really feel there should be something for the men that are dealing with this and I, I just think you've got to find yourself before you can find anything else yep and uh, and I hope that's the, probably the clearest thing that comes through everything is throughout everything that I did is every time I found me and stayed true to what I was wanting to do was the moments of my greatest success and um, it's it's so similar to that little demo when you're in an airplane you can't you know, breathe until you you can't help others until you help yourself. You have got to put that oxygen mask on yourself first before you start yep. helping other people. And um, for those guys out there that are going through it, you know, this is it's all about getting yourself back to where you belong, doing your passions, getting getting active, talking to other people, you know, following you know the sports that you used to do, and just getting your life back in shape. And it's not selfish to do that; it's important. And from that, you'll be able to be a better dad. You know, you be you may be able to rekindle something that needs rekindling or you'll be able to find what you know, you're really looking for. Um, yeah. because you you're never gonna find that unless you can be the real you. So all the best with it and uh, yeah. Go go the Brocode. Is that what we call it? Brocode.life. <laughs> Going global, yeah. yeah sweet.
0: Thank you so much Mark. Thanks for those awesome words and thanks for having me. Easy.